You are listening to the Forfeit Fatherhood Podcast. And we're having conversations with dope dads covering the four pillars of fatherhood. We call it the Fit Fatherhood Formula. Faith, family, finance, and fitness. That's right. These dads are setting the pace in business and fatherhood. This show isn't only about the outside success. We're getting down to who you are. Gentlemen, it's time to get fit. And and, 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 and now, let's get into the show. Let's get into the show. Let's get into the show. Welcome back to the Four Fit Fatherhood Podcast, the podcast for fathers by fathers, where we talk about the four pillars of fatherhood, which are faith, family, finance, and fitness. And I'm excited, man. Look, I keep telling you guys, I'm going to keep bringing quality guests on here so you guys don't have to listen to me talk. I do have a couple of solo episodes that I want to put out, but man, I just keep getting good guys that want to be on the podcast. So I had to keep, uh, keep giving you guys that content as well. So maybe I'll drop some solo episodes kind of like in between, right? Um, but I'm excited, man. I have Alex Lang here today, and I'm super excited to talk to him because we are aligned in terms of helping fathers see better men, better husbands. So, Alex, how you doing today, brother? Yeah, I'm good, man. I, I just want to say thank you for allowing me on and the opportunity to just spread the message around fatherhood and, and helping men be better. Yeah, man. I, I uh, you know, like I said, like we talked a little bit just a second ago off the podcast about kind of how we connected and how we found each other. And I was saying, you know, this community of fatherhood seems to be growing um, or we're just making, you know, stronger connections just because we're all in the same vein. But I uh, once once we got connected, you know, kind of messaged each other. I started looking at your profile and watching some of your lives and looking at some of your videos. I'm, oh, man, this, it's always cool because I always feel challenged as a man and as a father when I find another fatherhood page or another like manhood page. I'm, all right. OK, I got to set my game. OK, there, I, you know. <laughs> I'm like immediately going into like, you know, uh, self-reflection and trying to make sure that I'm doing some of the right things and not being a hypocrite and kind of those things. So I, I let me say thank you in advance, right, for, for the content that you're putting out, because it helps keep me in check um, as well as helps me kind of continue to push myself forward. Yeah, no, she's, I think, why, you know, before we dive in real quick, I think that's the power of brotherhood, right? Like, that's why it's important for us men that are wanting to get better to surround ourselves or at least... Um, start to consume content of other men that are doing that same work because we're only our, our masculine spirit. We're, we're very competitive and it's competitive in a good way because we're, we're all winning at that point. Right. Yeah. 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 And I think when, when we talk about competitive, like I'm not in competition with you at all, but you definitely help me compete with me. You know what I mean? Like, cause it, cause yeah. I hear you or I see, I see some of the other guys and I'm like, okay, all right, now I got to look at myself. Well, how, where was I? Where was I at yesterday? How can I be better today? How can I use that that as a as a tool in my tool belt to kind of push me forward? So, um, yeah, that competitive spirit though is is something that uh obviously is a, a little bit being stamped out in the world <laughs> in the world. Um, but there's there's yeah. ways to be competitive without competing with each other, and and that's that's one of them for sure. So, yeah, but. No, no, go, go for it, go for it. Oh. No, I was just, I was just gonna say, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. It's when I, when I, when I think about competitiveness, it's more of like being able to um, see those that are around you that that uh, the energy is contagious, and understanding that when you surround yourself or consume content of other men that are doing that very similar work, that your energy, your vibration is is raising because at the end of the day, like there's a saying that I have of comparison kills. 
Like if you start mm -hmm. to get too external from yourself, then you lose focus of yourself. And like this journey is really all about understanding yourself and, and your why and, and the motivation behind why, why you want to be the best man and father. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I think too, and I was talking to my, my actually my father-in-law about this. He's a USC fan and uh, USC football specifically. And a few years ago, they were recruiting really well. Like they, you know, four-star kid, five-star kid, like they had a bunch of really big recruits. And I was saying that they're recruiting five-star kids to put, to practice because all these kids can't play. And that's a, it's actually like a really good idea though, because your practice becomes more competitive. So a lot of times you're like, you can't have that many stars on one team. Like there's not enough ball to go around. But in reality, though, what it does is it pushes everybody to be better, right? It forces everybody to compete at the highest level, even in practice. So when they get to the game situations, right now, their their level of competition is so much higher than, you know, maybe one of the other schools that has, you know, a couple of lower level guys competing against each other in one star, right? And that, that's what I like about, like I said, this this whole fatherhood community is that, I got a bunch of five-star guys I got to compete with. <laughs> you know what I mean? I got to make sure I sharpen my fatherhood tools on a daily basis and, and continue to look at how well I'm doing and revising and reiterating and like doing some different things. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, tell us, tell us a little bit about, about you. Like what, what do you, what do you, I know, I know some stuff, right. But for the fellas that aren't following you, that haven't been kind of keeping up with you and what you do, uh, kind of share with us uh, who who you are. Yeah, thank you. I'm a retired Navy veteran turned men's coach. I am a father of four, soon to be five next week. My wife is due, and so really get working hard this week to hone in for next week. But uh, I'm an unschooling father, so one of the the big pieces uh, of this journey for me is being able to cultivate curiosity and. And creativity and innovation in my children, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But I uh, was a full-time RVer, traveled the States, decided to move down to the Dominican Republic permanently uh, where we reside. And, and I can tell you over the last two years specifically, my journey as a father, uh, the challenges that I've faced in life has really opened my eyes and redefined the role of what a man and a father should or or can be right and so that's that's kind of my why of like i when we're able to understand the most painful moments in our life or the challenges in our life we can then make that our gift to the world our purpose to the world and it kind of goes into i was i was just and i know we'll get into it but i was going through your four tenets here and i was thinking about just just some vague messaging to to each one and and when you're able to align with your purpose, the finances come, right? Like, and, and I know we'll get into that piece. But yeah, for me, it's about um, having a positive mindset and reframing the challenges in your life and having curiosity on how to be the best version of yourself as a man and as a father and a husband. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, I, I think I think the, the, with, with the four pillars, the, you know, it's kind of like... Um, I told somebody this the other day, it's like, you have four buckets, right? And we're trying to fill those buckets up as much as we can. But the reality is that those buckets have small holes in the bottom, right? So the more that you pour into one, there's, there's, there's going to be some that spills out. Um, and so you may shift your focus to one at one time, right? You might be really pouring into your faith bucket at one point. But, you know, 
you can't just keep the focus on that one because it's draining out of the other ones. And so you have to continue to try to fill these buckets uh, on a daily basis. And I think once you get it, once you get a good like system of how you fill them, they all kind of take care of each other, right? They, one runs into the other. And like you said, when you're aligned with your purpose and you're doing things in a way that, that just flows with the way that you want to live life or the way that, that life is, is laid out for you, the financial piece takes care of itself, right? And then some of the other stuff takes care of itself. Like when you, when you, when you get physically fit, right, and you're, you're taking care of your fitness, some of like just the way you are with your family turns up, right? It becomes better. Your finances actually become better when you're physically fit, which is which is people don't really make that connection, but but there's a lot that goes into becoming physically fit that translates into really everything else in the world, right? And that, and that's one of those like you centered things that affects other people, um, and probably one of the easiest things for you to control is is your fitness, um, you know, because your finances like you don't necessarily control who pays you right you don't you don't really control how people interact with you you don't control how your wife you know feels about you you do in a degree but not really and but you can you can actively get up every day and attack your fitness and be in control of that and watch how it kind of changes everything else for you yeah so go ahead no go ahead go ahead go ahead I'm sorry there's a little bit of a lag so if i'm like okay. cut in i apologize for that um like what comes to mind for me is like this idea of servant leadership and, and sometimes that gets lost in servant leadership is that you have to, you have to serve yourself first. And a lot of men think servant leadership is about serving others and service to others, but it comes down to being able to serve yourself. Cause if you can't serve yourself or if you can't fill your buckets that you talked about, then you, then you can't fill other people's buckets at the same time. And then, over a course of a period of time, what happens is there's this resentment that comes up internally because we've ex we've sourced our power to other people and we haven't taken some responsibility for ourselves. And that's a word that I use a lot and maybe I overuse it sometimes, but taking responsibility for your life. And a lot of men that I've talked to, they say, like, what do you mean by taking responsibility? I, I financially provide for my kids like I do what I have to do. And I'm like, well, there's so much more than being just the financial provider to showing up financially. It's about showing up emotionally, uh, mentally, physically, and spiritually. And, and very aligned with your four buckets there is like you have to do that on a daily basis. So how are you creating that space for yourself to show up for yourself so you can show up for others? Yeah, yeah. You know, I agree. I agree. And, and a lot of times, too, when we aren't taking responsibility for ourselves and our life, then that leads us to kind of being a victim, right? And they're like, oh, well, I can't do this because I got to take care of my family. Or, you know, where guys are kind of like complain about having to sacrifice X, Y, and Z because they have to go out and provide or, you know, those kind of things. Um, but when you take responsibility, as you mentioned, uh, like that kind of idea of extreme ownership, um, you know, you, you are the reason that things are changing. Like things don't happen to you. They happen for you. And I think that puts you in a different mindset and, and a better mindset, to be honest, uh, to kind of move in the world the way that you want to. Um, it gives you the opportunity to show up as the man that you want to show up as, as opposed to somebody who is showing up because something else or some other person made you show up that way. Yeah, and I think that it's, it's all comes down to choice as well, right? Like when we 
when we're able to take responsibility, we have choice over our life. And, and the, like you mentioned, the victim mindset, when we get stuck in this victim mindset, there, there's always some form of resentment. It could be with our spouse. It could be, uh, maybe we haven't fully embraced the fatherhood role and, and we have some resentment because we're always giving to our kids. It could be our work. It could be whatever is in the way of the life that we want to live. But what comes first is you have to get specific on what life you want to live. Like you have to get specific with your vision. You have to get specific with your with your goals, not just as a man, but more importantly, as a father and as a husband. And once you get that, that specificity, you can then drive towards that goal and communicate that and, and, and bring. I actually saw something, one of your reels about bringing your family together. You know, like every week, my, my wife and I, we have a family meeting and with the kids and we align ourselves as a family unit so we can push through the week on the same page and we can support each other in the best capacity that we can as a family. And going back just for a moment is like before 2021, I was so career oriented. I was so career focused that I truly abandoned my family emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and physically. Like I, I was just a financial provider. And when we're able to understand that connection is at the fundamental root of every single relationship, like as people, we want connection. We want that can be either to, to self or that could be to others that when we're able to show up in different spaces, that, that, that makes our connection that much deeper. Yeah. 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 Well, let, let's, I mean, you've mentioned it a couple of times. We talked about, you know, we've talked about what, what happened in 2021, but, but share, share with the guys, like, what, what was that? What was that change? What made you transition from being so career focused to, to the, you know, where you are right now? Yeah, so my, my back in February of 2021, my daughter, she's she's now five, but at the time she was three. She was diagnosed with a a, a brain tumor, non-cancerous brain tumor. But uh, since she was nine months old, she was having severe seizures. But the, the doctors at the time misdiagnosed it as acid reflux. And it got to a point where these seizures were getting getting really bad and, and she was starting to, to go for longer periods. And when we got the diagnosis, I, I didn't know how to just be present. Like I started to like have so much anxiety, so much depression, so much uh, negative thoughts. Like my, you know, my daughter's going to die. Like I have no control. And I, for about three or four days, I really let that take over. And then as we continued throughout the year in August of 2021, I was diagnosed with five brain tumors. And, uh, and, and then following in October, my wife asked me for a divorce, right? Over the course of our first, so I've been married for 11 years, the first nine and a half to 10 years, we, uh, I, I wasn't showing up in every, any other realm rather than just the financial realm, right? Like I, I was about like, you have food on the table, roof over your head, clothes on your back, you're taken care of. And it goes, and, and we'll talk about it, but it goes back to something that we have to understand as men and how we show up relationally. But that, that put me on a beach in October of 2021. I was on the beach with my four kids and my wife, the day before she asked me for a divorce, like I mentioned, and, and she had an abortion of our, at the time, fifth, fifth child. And I had so much emotion. I, I honestly didn't know how to be present. And I didn't even know how to enjoy the moment with my kids. I didn't know how to enjoy the moment with myself. I was lost and, and was afraid, quite honest, was afraid. 
And over the course of the next two to three weeks, I joined a men's group. Uh, it's called the Uncivilized Nation by Trevor Baum. I joined this men's group and I realized that I was not just the only person going through what I was going through. And I see so many men and myself included where I was so to myself, I was so internal, the lone wolf mindset, because I didn't feel like other men knew what I was going through. And so the course of that next three to, to four weeks, it opened my eyes and realized that the power of community, the power of brotherhood, the, the ability to be seen, to be heard and to be felt by other men, just, just being on an online presence was tremendous. And I realized that so many of the perceived failures in my relationship stemmed from my childhood and unprocessed childhood trauma. Yeah, yeah. I, I you know what? It's 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 amazing how we do that as men, right? Like we we take this lone wolf idea, this lone wolf mentality and, and, and a lot of times when we're young it's like glorified, right? Like to be the, the lone wolf or to be that be that guy, right? But I think as you realize, as you mature, um, there isn't really a lone wolf. Like the lone wolf, when you think about wolves and wolves and wolf packs, like it's not, it's not a lone wolf, right? It's it's a it's a pack of wolves. It's a, it's typically a family of wolves, um, and they're not out there on their own because a wolf alone dies alone, right? They don't they don't hunt effectively. Uh, they're not protected from anybody. Like they have to kind of always watch their own back. Um, they typically get taken advantage of by other packs of wolves. Like it's not a good situation. Like it's not a good, <laughs> it's not a good scenario. Um, and I think we take it and we glorify it. Just like the whole, the alpha male idea is, comes from the idea of a wolf pack. Well, I don't know why we take animals and go, Hey, we're going to be like animals. Um, <laughs> it's some symbolism of power, but, but we take it and we run with it kind of the wrong way. And we don't use it to help us in the way that maybe we could. Because if we looked at wolves and the way that they actually interact, uh, in the wild, it kind of puts us in a, in a better situation. Like you said, getting a community of other, other men are going through some, some of the similar things or maybe have already gone through them and kind of can reach back and be, Hey, young guy, this is what's going on. Let me, let me help you with that. Let me guide you. Let me instruct you or somebody who's maybe on the same level as you that can kind of help encourage you. Right. Or, or just hold you accountable. Like, Hey, remember last week we talked about this. You said you were going to do, uh, this or that. And, and so, okay, it's this week that you do it. You know, um, I think those things are super vital, but I think a lot of times we, we, we take it and we want to shoulder the load on our own. Right. Um, I don't know. I mean, that's a pretty rough stretch of, of events, man. Like, you know, you find out your daughter, um, you know, has the brain tumor and then how did, how did you guys determine, like, how did you get to the point where you went in and figured out that you had brain tumors? Was that just like, She's got them, so now everybody should get checked. No, it's, it's, it's funny, man. And it's one of the reasons why I retired from the military was that for the longest time, like I said, my career was my sole focus. So I, my health, I put to the back seat. And once my daughter got diagnosed, it made me realize, like, we're, we need to be intentional. We need to be present with our lives. And I had been, you know, pushing these symptoms that I was having to the side for for a few months and they were slowly getting worse. And I was driving to work one day, uh, like I said, I was in the Navy, I was driving, driving to my ship one day and I was crossing this bridge and I had a symptom and my eyes started to water, forced shut and I almost crashed off the bridge. 
And at that point, when I pulled over and I recollected myself, I said, this is the time that I need to put myself first. I need to take care of myself because if I don't take care of myself, I can't take care of the people that I say mean the most to me. And so I, I went to work that day and said, hey, I need to I need to go to the doctor. I need to get checked up. And I did. And uh, when, when I got checked up, they were like, hey, we need to do some emergency things just because we found some some unusual activity. And, and it came back to be uh, five non-cancerous brain tumors. And it's and we'll talk about this, but I, I think it's important as fathers that when we want a powerful relationship with our kids, when we want to really have a powerful, deepened relationship with our kids, we need to be able to influence and be influenced by them. And I've said this before, man, that our children are our teachers. And, and my, my daughter, Linnabel, everything that she went through and her ability to just stay grounded and present with herself at all times, and she's still the same way today, has allowed me to really hone into my own health and my own mental health, my own physical and emotional and spiritual health. Because if I'm, if I, if I don't do that, then I can't, I can't show up the way that I want to. Yeah. So, so she was three when, when she was diagnosed, was it, is for either one of you, is this a, a surgery situation or like, how do we, like, what is what do the doctors do? Okay, so she, she actually has an inoperable brain tumor. Uh, had, I'm going to say had, um, had an inoperable brain tumor. And uh, they said it was very, there was so many arteries in the, the part of her brain. It's a golf, golf, it was a golf ball sized brain tumor that if they went in to do surgery, that there was a 20% chance that she could you know pass away or she'd be paralyzed on part of her body. And so we were like, look, Let's let's see let's let's see what we can do. What the other options are. My wife, my wife, who I've really adopted a lot of the, the done done some research and adopted her way of of living the health wise, very holistic. And so, like at first, I'm a traditional. I was a traditionalist, and so I, me and her butted heads a lot because I'm like, for me, this is what we need to do. A doctor, medicine, like all of all of the traditional mindsets. And my wife is like, look. This is deeper. Like we need to really get back into uh, healing. Our healing is going to help Linabel. And I know that's that sounds an interesting thought there, but when we unravel this, it came down to me and my wife doing our own internal work that pushed our family forward and Linabel's healing even even faster. Hmm. That's interesting. What, so when you say you guys, you know, your your healing. Um, and your inner work, what, what are you, what were you guys doing? Yeah. So, so one of the big things with this, my, my daughter initially took, we, we did have her own pharmaceuticals and there was this, there was these side effects with the pharmaceuticals that would, she would get some intense rage. She like, she would smash her face on the ground. She would, you know, try to, to punch things, bite every time she took this medication. And so my wife, who is very big into learning and, and documentaries, sent me a documentary about um, Weed the People. And so my daughter, and we lived in Virginia at the time, uh, was a recipient of cannabis oil. And so we started to put her on cannabis oil and we started to see a difference in her behavior. And we started seeing a difference in the amount of seizures that she was having. Yeah. So where I'm going with this is 
I had so many negative narratives around marijuana, right? Like the, the, the drug that the traditional mindset of me was getting in the way. And when I, when I really pull that back, tr the traditionalism, when we think about traditionalism, my opinion is the ultimate killer to growth because we've got, we've gotten stuck in this way to just follow the, follow the norm without questioning. But when we're able to really cultivate curiosity with inside and say, Hey, what else is out there? What yeah. other avenues are out there to not only help, you know, in, in Linabel's case, but as men, as fathers, as husbands, relationally, and uh, in, in any aspect, what else is out there? Things started to, to bloom. And also understanding that I was not in control. I was a big control person. Like, and I think many men are, it's like, we want to be able to control and fix everything. But when we're, when we start to release control, we start to trust more. And over the process of about a year, she had her worst seizure uh, in December of 2022. It was a 15 minute seizure. And we, she had to go to the hospital. After she got out, Two months, two weeks later, she just stopped taking all of her medication. She start, stopped taking the cannabis. She stopped taking the, uh, we, we had some herbs, some, some reishi mushrooms, some shaga, some turkey tail, all those, some, the, all those medicinal uh, medicines, so to speak. And she stopped taking it all. And so my wife and I, we sat down and we were like, I don't know what to do. I, I, I want to jump in and I want to, I want to help. But at the end of the day, she was giving us so much kickback and tantrums and things of that nature. We just, re we released control. And when we did that, Ron, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sitting here lying to you. She stopped having seizures. She started to be a normal kid. You know, she started to um, climb trees, started to, to swim, started to do all these things that you wouldn't think someone that has had over a thousand seizures in her lifetime would be able to do. And, and that's where I think it's important, not just in that realm. I know my, my journey is very specific and unique, unique, but when we talk about relationally being able to allow the kid to have some ownership in the relationship creates a deeper sense of connection. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, my daughter, when I, when I was, when she was, I want to say 18 months, uh, she had seizures. Um, one night we were visiting, we were just, we we're visiting my, um, my father. So we're up in the Bay area and, uh, she's sleeping in the bed with us. Cause we stayed at the hotel. We usually don't stay in the hotel. We stayed in the hotel that time. And so all three of us are in the bed and like, she's kind of like kicking me. Like, and that's not, not crazy, but like, this is like repetitive, like rhythm, rhythmic kicking. So I think she's awake. I'm like, why are you kicking me? And I turn over and, and the, like the, it, it's it, in my mind, like even right now, it's still like the, one of the scariest things I've ever seen, right? Just cause just completely out of control in that moment. And there's nothing you can do. Um, and I didn't know how to help her. I didn't know what to, what to do. My wife's panicking. Um, and she, you know, she, she kind of goes through, she comes, she comes out of it. In that meantime, we call, you know, get the ambulance there. Um, you know, we, we take the ambulance to the hospital and we can't find anything, right? We're doing all the tests, running all the tests, nothing. She has another one uh, probably two months later um, and then another one. Um, so then they, they, you know, put her on some medication and like literally 
not that the medication necessarily did anything. I don't know that it did, right? Because she eventually just stopped taking it kind of in the same way. Uh, we were like, you know what? What if we just don't give it to her today and see what happens? And then that turned into two days, turned into three days. And she hasn't had one since. And nothing ever showed up on any of the scans. And so we're like, what the heck was that? You know, like, other than other than like just a moment to like really make you pay attention to how important life is and how like how scary things can be and being really present and involved like it definitely elevated my my feeling of of being present as a father for sure um it definitely made me feel out of control um you know like i could there was something that i couldn't do to protect her um, you know, cause it, it, up to that point, you know, super dad, right? Like, you know, I'll, I'll take out entire Gotham city if I have to, you know, <laughs> like, uh, one of those kind of things. But then it was just, uh, it was, it was out of my control. There was nothing I could do. And then there was nothing the doctors could really do. They just gave us the medicine and say, Hey, try this. And I don't know if it even worked, you know what I'm saying? Because like I said, she just stopped having them. And it's something that we still wonder about, like, is it going to come back? What we even know, you know, because she sleeps in her own bed now and she's her own kid, you know, um, and something that I think about. But I can't imagine, like, as you said, thousands of them. Right? I, I had three and I was terribly shaken, you know, um, but thousands of them and 15 minutes is a really, really long time. Um, so, you know, kudos to you and your family, like you guys being able to work through that and, and especially to your daughter. Like, What a what a warrior. Right. <laughs> what a what a warrior just to work through it and, and, and be on the other side of it with the way she is now. Um, as you mentioned, you know, that's, that's an amazing, amazing story. Um, yeah. I just want to, I want to piggyback on what you said there, because I think it's important that for the longest time I said, my number one value was my family. And then, then I, I went through all these challenges and especially with my daughter, like witnessing her have these seizures and especially that 15 minute seizure, man, I, I was in tears and I, and I'm, I'm a mo like it, as much as I would, I can, I would sit here and, and, and I, and I help men work on becoming more emotionally grounded that that situation made me, like you said, really understand that the value of life and, and my values, I said the family was my number one value, but I was not, in integrity with that because I was so uh, work focused up until that point. And, yeah. and then it goes back to, to something is like giving our children that praise and that acknowledgement. I had a, my, my kids are in surf camp. Uh, my two oldest boys, I have a nine, a seven, and then I have a five and a three-year-old. My two oldest boys are in surf camp and my daughter has, she's a little delayed. So she, ha she has a lot of autistic uh, tendencies, but it's all from, Obviously, when you go through a, a bunch of seizures, a thousand yeah. seizures like she has, there's going to be some some things that you got to work through in the long term. And he was like, you all are doing a really good job with your daughter. And I stopped him in his tracks and I said, you know, I really appreciate the praise, but I want to tell you something like I'm, we're not here if it wasn't for Linabelle. We're not here if we don't allow the space for, for our daughter to really tune in and lead us. Because a lot of the times, man, like she climbs trees, she she's swimming. That sh it's because she's independent. It's because when she was having those seizures, a lot of the times she was trying to fight us away in the seizures because she wanted, she didn't want, she didn't want to feel like she was a crutch, and and that's how I interpret it. 
And, mm-hmm. and now that I see it, like creating this space to where she has this independence, she she's got me in touch with the true meaning of life. And, and that's enjoying the moments of life and being able to be present. And that's really what springboarded me into this fatherhood journey. Like, and, and, and honing it back into to fatherhood here is that if it's not for Linavel, I don't think that I would be like, I don't think that I would have taken the steps to be here and do what I do. Yeah, that that's, and, and it's, it's funny we talk about like how, it's all about purpose. And I think we talked about it a little bit before the podcast, talking about purpose. And, you know, a lot of times people are like, pursuing their purpose or trying to find their purpose or we're lost because we don't know what our purpose is and sometimes purpose just finds you i think a lot of times i think i would say i would argue probably all the time purpose just finds you um and it, and, and things happen in a way that you know you can call it fate you can call it destiny you can say you know god's timing you can put a lot of different terms and phrases on it but what the, what it ends up being is, is you you were here you were called to do something right and and events happen in your life that are like the phone ringing right it's like you're being called how are you going to show up what are you going to do with that right and a lot of people in you guys situation may not have you know pulled through the way that you did right like you may not have been able to come out on the other side and be able to talk about it you know the way you talk about it and to use it as a as a source of power uh as a way to be motivated to to be a better father like it, it things like that cripple people you know um and, and destroy relationships and destroy families um and it's not like and i don't and, and situations like that aren't things that should it should pull you closer together right but but all of the the different emotions that come along with it and trying to be a lone wolf and handle those uh or not you know not be emotionally grounded in the way that you talk about and just kind of letting yourself be be your feelings um you know guys lose their way and so it's, it's really cool that you you have taken that to kind of uh, push you forward into this this mission of helping fathers and helping men. Um, I don't want to keep going back, but but w- one more thing to go back to in 2021 or um, or was it 22? We talked about your wife uh, asking for a divorce. I don't want to leave that out because I feel like that that's something that's obviously important to your story. But I think from a lot of guys that I talk to and a lot of guys that I work with. Um, those are words that they've heard before. Um, and, you know, maybe hearing your story and how you were able to kind of work through that to, to where you guys are now, um, maybe something that somebody on here needs to hear. So I don't want to leave that out. I don't want to just gloss over it. Um, so would you mind sharing a little bit about that? Yeah. So, you know, as I mentioned before, I'm a men's coach, but I really specify, uh, like really specify in fatherhood and understanding our childhood trauma. and. And it goes into taking responsibility um, for those that may not be aware of this. As men, we emulate the most masculine relationship that we witnessed growing up. And I by no means am saying the way that my father showed up is the reason why my wife asked for a divorce. But because I did not know how to, I only saw one way shown relationally uh, as I was growing up. That's that. That's how I showed up. And so once again, I mentioned that I was only really just a financial provider. Like we would have very superficial conversations. It was like we were co-parenting, but we were butting heads on that. We were, you know, we were rarely having sex, but it was purely transactional, right? Like there was no connection really involved into the relationship because 
in my mind, how I processed or perceived a relationship was that I needed to just financially provide. That's what success meant to me at the time. And so when my wife, I knew it was coming, man. Like I knew, I knew that my wife wanted a divorce. It's not the first time she had mentioned the divorce, but I just kept trying to like gloss it over. I try to like, just keep the car shine uh, and, and make it look good. Yeah. But what, what had happened, what was really the linchpin was the day before my wife, she was 12 weeks pregnant. And, uh, and this is a sore subject or sensitive subject for a bunch, but like, it's something that I had, I had to really sit with and understand. My wife didn't want to bring another child, which would, at the time would have been our fifth child into this universe. She didn't, she was like, our relationship is on rocky ground. You as a father, you're not, you're not showing up the way that, 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 um, her idea of fatherhood was a lot different at the time than mine. She's like, you're not showing up emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually. Like you're just, you're just providing for them. Like, why would I want to bring another kid into this, this universe? And I have to figure out how to provide. Cause I don't want to be with you. Mm-hmm. And she made that choice. And I, and, and I, I have come to terms to respect that choice. And, and that was my, my, my linchpin of understanding that my childhood trauma Yes, it conditioned me, but I had the responsibility. I had the opportunity to learn from it and grow. If I let that define me, I was going to become a victim. If I let that take over my life and I just started to retract and withdraw because of all the fear that I had just came in front of, then I was becoming a victim. But I had a choice. I could take responsibility of my own actions and I could change the man that I wanted to be for myself first. You have to, when you, when you do change, when you do self-development work, that change has to come for you first, not no one else. And then everyone else will benefit from that. And when I started to take these steps, I started to work out more. I mean, I was already working out. I'm in, I'm in decent shape. Um, I, I was working out more intentionally. I was starting to meditate. It's not something that I did before. I was starting to journal. One big thing that I haven't mentioned, but I, I started to do in 2021 when my daughter was diagnosed was cold immersion therapy. So I was, I was sitting in cold water, learning how to breathe for 10 to 15 minutes at a time. And so when I started to create that space for myself, I started to realize that w- the way that I showed up in the world was not who I wanted to be, who Alex wanted to be. I didn't have a space as a child to be seen, to be heard, and to be felt. My father was emotionally and physically uh, and verbally abusive, right? Like, and and um, I have come to a term to understand that he did the best he could with what he had, and he had traumas, and he had things that were conditioning him that he was working through at the same time. My mom was a drug addict; she wasn't present uh, uh, much, so my dad was a single father of four kids. So. Where I'm going with all this is that my divorce was because I was living from what I emulated. I wasn't taking responsibility for my life. And once I started to surround myself with other men that were doing doing four simple things, right? Breathing, meditating, um, journaling, and uh, cold immersion, right? Like creating some type of method to challenge yourself, uh, I started to see change. My wife started to see change. And we then, after the, the six-week trial separation, decided to lean into family. 
like your number, your number one pillar here, like leaning into family and what that meant for us. But we first needed to do our own work and we needed to create this deeper connection with self and, and understand our, our purpose. So then we could come back together and understand our, our purpose as a couple and our purpose as parents and, and for our family. And, and our method for doing that was to, to buy an art. We sold our house. We sold our cars. I owned a restaurant at the time, sold the restaurant and we bought an RV. I bought a 36 foot class A tour bus and got the four kids into the, to the RV. And we started to travel around the United States. And I, I mentioned all that because the number one thing that really transformed me or transcended this was my ability to slow down the external noise. You know, like we as men, we have so many things going on. We want to we help others. We keep ourselves busy, busy because we do not know how to sit with ourselves. We haven't been conditioned to create space for ourselves and, and let alone our emotions. So when I was able to turn down the radio, I was a football coach. I was a basketball coach. I owned the restaurant. I was active duty Navy at the time. Like I had so much going on that I wasn't creating space for my family or for myself. And once I did that, my relationship, not only with myself uh, deepened, but with my wife, we started to connect on a deeper level. And then my kids, I started to have a deeper relationship with my kids. And I was st starting to be able to be present when they were emotionally ungrounded. I was able to start regulating myself better than, than any time before because I was able to be present with them. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, a couple of, I mean, you see, there's a lot to unpack there, but a couple of things. One, that, that, that meditation, um, the breathing, the journaling, um, all those kind of wellness, even even the, the, the cold immersion therapy, all allow you, as you said, we have tons of distractions on a daily basis. We have tons of things going on, especially when you're the head of household and you're trying to provide and, and protect and do all the things that we say that we need to do. You have all these things going on and you don't have the space or the clarity of mind to be able to like, I would say almost like like uh, Neo in the Matrix, like just stop the bullets and like pick one, like this is the one, and I'm gonna do that, right? Um, I think when we when we do some of those things, which which for whatever reason they've kind of become like things that we consider like frou frou, like meditation. You know, we look at it and like we got to sit crisscross applesauce and close our eyes and say ohms, and it's not that at all. And I tell guys all the time because I I meditate as well, um, and my wife kind of got me into it, but. I tell guys all the time, it's not that, right? It's not whatever you thought you saw on TV. And the cold immersion sucks. It absolutely sucks, but it gets better-ish, right? It's like a plank, right? It like, never really gets better. It always sucks. The squat holes, like, they always suck. You just get better. Um, but, but all of those things allow you the, the space to be able to make a better decision, to be more uh, responsive instead of reactive. They, they allow you, like you said, to, to ground your emotions and to be emotionally disciplined. All things that we typically don't get passed down to us, right? Like the generation of men before us didn't have these tools. They weren't looking for these tools either, right? Because the generation before them definitely wasn't giving them these tools. Um, but I, I, I tell guys all the time, it's one of the things I like to say is that, you know, you may not have been responsible for what happened to you, but you are responsible for what happens next. Right. Which goes into, like you said, that responsibility piece. Right. Like I have no control over how my dad parented me or my stepdad parented me. Like I couldn't do anything. I was just a kid in that relationship. But now as the dad in this next relationship, I have complete control over how I show up to them, how I present myself to them and who I'm going to be for them. And so that part is important. 
and I think you're right. We we do emulate whoever our uh, our, our our parents were, um, and we become that like and unknowingly sometimes. Like you'll catch yourself saying something your dad used to say or acting maybe the way that your mom used to act. And I, I do it all the time. Like I hear myself say something my mom would say, and I'll message her like, "Hey man." <laughs> So you got me talking to these kids like you. Like, I, I think I told my daughter I wasn't one of her little friends uh, a few years back. And, and so I text my mom, like, see what you did to me? Like, I hate it when you said it. Now I'm saying it. Um, but but because I am aware of who I am, uh, I have the space to know that, OK, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that person. And I can try to change and be different. Um, and I think we all have that ability once we sit down and really figure out who it is we want to be. Yeah, I think part of that process as well is being able to meet our parents to where they were, right? Like, mm-hmm. we, we have to see this in the light of love and compassion. You know, like, when I, when I initially bring this topic up to men, there's, there's a bunch of anger that comes up. And we associate anger with negativity. But if we can reframe and really associate anger in a positive mind, mindset and, and reframe it, then it, it can really propel us forward to be the best versions of ourselves and also allow us to create some space for ourselves to reach back out to our, for me, you know, like I have a father and a mother woman, but like to reach back out to my father and say, Hey, look, I, I know you did the best that you could do with what you had. And I love you for that. I, I am so thankful that you gave me the opportunity to be in the situation that I'm at. And, and what I mean by that is like my dad, worked his ass off. He worked so hard to financially provide because he was a single dad. And in a, in a time where, like you said, men didn't have that space to be able to express their emotions, to be able to, to be seen for the challenges that they're going through life. They just needed to suck it up and keep pushing through. Like, I'm thankful for that. And that's part of that process of really understanding your childhood trauma so you can be the best father. And I, I also think that it's a learning experience because I'll, I'll give you a, a good example I used yesterday with someone. My, the one way that I wanted to really feel loved by my father was I was very into sports. I was athletic. I was a football. I was a soccer player. I, um, I did basketball. Like I, I did it all. And I wanted my father to, to come to my games, but he couldn't. And so we really didn't have a relationship. And so when I, when I grew up and I had my own kids, as my oldest, who is nine now, he was, he was three years old, we put a, I pushed him into soccer, put him into jiu-jitsu. I put him into these other sports because I was like, hey, that's, that's how I wanted that, that love and attention. And then as I was pushing him into jiu-jitsu because he was very good at it, he was starting to, to grapple with five and six-year-olds and he was getting beat. And his confidence started to lower and to lower and to lower to a point where he said, Dad, I don't want to do this anymore. It's not fun. And, and I mention all that because it's important that we understand our own childhood trauma and how we wanted to be seen in the world. So we don't, so we don't unconsciously pass that to our kids. Because at the end of the day, my, my son at the time, I was, I was very upset that he wanted to quit. But I was able to create a space and, and ask him, like, hey, what do you want? How do you want to be seen? How do you want me to show up and support you in the best way that you possibly that I possibly can? 
And he was able to say like, Hey dad, I, I love, I love soccer. I love football. I love basketball. And, and so I did that. Right. And so this, this, um, we, we always can look at opportunities or challenges in our life as an opportunity to grow and where there's resistance, there's growth, right? And with growth comes connection. And that's, that's what it goes back to, Rod, is, is connection to self and to connection to our kids. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's, that's really, really huge is, is the uh, connection to self piece. Connection to your kids, obviously, right? But, but the connection to self is like being, being aware of why putting him in sports was so important to you, right? Like being able to be self-reflective in that moment and not make it about you without knowing you were making it about you. You know what I mean? Like you, you're making him, you know, forcing him to, to do sports. And I, I have to be very conscious of that as well because my daughters play sports and, you know, sports has always been a big part of my life. And, and so I'm like, you know, I, I look, I want you to do whatever you're going to like, whatever you want to do. You know, if you want to do it, though, here's here's how to do it. And I always have to walk that fine line too. being being a coach is like. I know what it takes to get to a certain level. Um, and so do you want to get to that level? I always have to ask that because like, I'm, I, in my mind, it's always like all or nothing. Like, this is what we're going to do. Like, we, we, we're going to do it. And we're going to do it to the best of our ability. We're going to work as hard as we can. But I'm like, she just wants to have fun. Like, she just is playing because she enjoys the game. Like, she likes the friends on her team. And she, you know, she likes the cheers and the camaraderie. So I'm like, okay. That, those are good reasons to be in it too, right? <laughs> like you don't have to win the championship. You don't have to be Kobe. Like, I, okay, all right, all right, cool. Um, but then, but being able to separate myself from it, let her experience it, and then learn from her, and something you mentioned earlier, let her lead me and how I lead her, right? These are the ways that she needs to lead me. Sorry, these are the ways that she needs me to be her leader. These are the ways that she needs me to guide her. This is how I can push her. Like by being observant of myself in the situation and taking myself out of it and then giving her what she needs for me, right? Being everything that I need to be when I need to be it and not being what I want to be when I need to be it. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah I mean, I'm going to just tie into that and then jump into kind of the emotional landscape of having, being married and, and seeing what the struggles look like to actually now the fruits of the labor and, and, and having a, a, a loving relationship where we both can meet each other and where we need to, like it comes down to that, that leading that you're talking about. And I, I did a lot of that with my kids first, and then it started to come with, come into my, my marriage. And, and let me reframe for a second, the old paradigm of where we just were the financial providers we weren't child rearers. We weren't, we didn't really have a say into the household. Like we were just deflecting it all. It really put women into this masculine position. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, I'm a really big believer when we talk about spirituality, for me, it's like energetics piece too, uh, of the masculine uh, feminine and the polarity within a relationship. And my wife was making all these decisions because I was just saying, whatever you want, babe, like whatever you want to do, I'm good with it. Whatever, you know, uh, Grayson did this, whatever discipline you decide, I'm good with it. Like I was, I did not have my own stance because it, once again, it went back to my childhood fear of not, of feeling neglected if I spoke up. And so understanding that childhood trauma allowed me the opportunity to lead in my relationship and say, hey, you know what? It's okay to, 
to have a stance. It's okay to say, hey, we're going to, to this restaurant. And if she doesn't like it, being able to hear it and say, okay, you know, like I'll take that into consideration next time, but leading that whole evolution. Because as men, especially in, a, in the relational landscape with our partners, we, we defer a lot, most men, most men. But men like myself and you and, and other men that I work with in the fatherhood realm, we're bringing intention and we're bringing clarity and we're bringing purpose to our life, not just with our kids, but with ourselves and with our spouses. So now our, our relationships with our kids are better, but our relationships with our partners are even better. We're, we're starting to be more present in the home. We're starting to understand that the home life is a team oriented aspect and we are, that we all have the same mission and vision. And I don't think that men don't want that. I think men don't know how to get there. And that's where me and you come in, Rod, is like, it, you don't have to be eat the elephant all at once. It's about understanding how to take the next step. You only need to know the next step. Focus on this next step. Build consistency with yourself. And over time, you're going to build trust with yourself so you can show up. You can show up consistently for yourself and for your family. And that's what, and that's where like trust is built. And then that is the, one of the fundamental pieces of self-motivation is when you can trust yourself. Yeah. 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 You, you talked about the, the masculine and the feminine energy. And I think that's something that, that I've noticed too, as well as like, as men, we've been, we're, we're the male in the house, we're the man of the house. But when we defer all of the decisions and the activities of the house to our wife, then she has to step up and take a, a masculine role. Um, it, it just reminded me of something, and, and hopefully this connection makes sense. You play football, yeah? You mentioned you play football? Yes. So I, I yes. coached football for, for, I don't know, 12 years, 13 years, something, something ridiculous. And one year we had a quarterback, and the, and the kid couldn't throw. He's a great kid, love him to death. He ended up being a punter, and he, he went to uh, a kicker. Let me say that because he could punt and he could kick field goals. He ended up getting a D1 scholarship as a kicker. But he was our quarterback one year. And the kid couldn't throw the ball to save his life. Like he just, I mean, he was the best quarterback we had, but he was terrible. <laughs> so we had a quarterback, but we couldn't throw the ball with the quarterback. So we deferred to a running game, right? So we ran the ball a lot. And then when we wanted to throw the ball, well, our, we, we tossed it to the running back and the running back threw the ball. You know, we, we found other ways to get the ball thrown, even though we had this quarterback, right? He was still calling the plays and he still led the huddle. And he was still what we looked at as the quarterback of our team. But because he wasn't getting the job done, we found other ways to do it. Right. Um, and I think that happens a lot of times in our households. And then we'll complain like women are too masculine. But we'll, <laughs> you, you've given her too many opportunities to take the masculine role. So eventually she's like, she just cut you out. Right. And we just stop having him throw the ball altogether. Like we'll run the, the toss and we'll, we'll throw it with the, with the running back. Just let's, let's get it out of his hands. This could be an interception. You know what I mean? Um, and it's, that's kind of what we've done. And I think we, like you say, guys like you and I, and some of the guys we work with, some of the guys in his fatherhood space are working to shift that back to where the quarterback is taking control and distributing the ball, but not in a dictator type situation, right? Still very aware of the other pieces of the puzzle, making sure we're still handing the ball off when it needs to be handed off, making sure we're, we're making the right throws they need to make when they need to be made. And leading the team as a leader um, and not just, you know, uh, someone who's, who's looking out for themselves. So kind of taking that whole thing um, and becoming the quarterback of the family that we need to be. Yeah, I, I, I don't believe that 
when I, you, I like what you're saying not to be a dictator. Masculine leadership, in my opinion, is not my way or the highway. It's our ability to really understand and connect with those around us to then hear their feedback and make a decision that's best in this case for the family. Right. And, and, and then being able to articulate that and communicate that to every single member of the family. I have four right. kids. Not every kid is the same and not every kid understands the same way. So how I talk to my oldest, I have to talk differently to my, my second oldest and my third and my fourth. And so that's what I feel like is true masculine leadership is to be able to, um, to, to be influenced by others, to have that ability to connect with them and understand and hear them. And then you need to make the decision that's best for your family with all of that decision or with all that input and then being able to explain and articulate. And, and not everybody's going to like that. And part of that masculine leadership is really being able to be grounded and hear them with the intent to understand and not the intent to respond. Because I, I can tell you the most issues I had in my relationship with my kids and my wife early on was because I was always in a reactive state. But what, what cold immersion, what breathing, what meditating, what journaling has allowed me to do is create this space between the stimulus and, to the, and the time that I respond. And there's that, that space is, and, and Viktor Frankl has a quote, I don't know it specifically, but that space is our freedom. It's our choice and how we show up. And, and even deeper, it's as men, we're always in our head. But that space allows us to drop down into our hearts and to be relational and to, to show our children and our wife that we, that we are human. Because I, I sometimes hear men, when they're talking about their problems uh, or the challenges that are in their life, it's so robotic. And I'm like, We're, you're human, man. Like, you have emotions. You have feelings. Like, don't, don't dismiss that. But what's important is that you're able to understand what you're feeling and then be able to have the intelligence, the emotional intelligence behind it to make the decision that, need, that needs to be made. And that's it. So many men, we we don't have the emotional literacy because we weren't shown. And that's what comes back to the fatherhood journey is that it's our responsibility. Now we get this responsibility and opportunity to change generations that come these ripples by the way that we show up for our kids. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think, too, um, emotion the word emo like i think it's it's not emotion that is the issue it's when you say emotional right like have emotions but don't be emotional right because emotional for whatever reason has gotten this stigma of negativity right if you're emotional um it is this out of control thing if that is the case though knowing that even if that's not true let's just say it is though let's say we think that it's true wouldn't it make more sense for us to have more emotional literacy more emotional intelligence so that we can control if that's who we want to be, if we want to be the leader and the head of the household. And wouldn't it make more sense for us to learn more about that so we have more control over it? You know, shouldn't that isn't that where we should be going and should probably not be shying away from. We should be pushing, you know, leaning into emotional intelligence. Like, because I think for me, uh, I would say that I wasn't the most emotionally savvy guy uh, coming into this relationship with my wife or we've been together forever. Um, but she would tell you, uh, she would tell you for 
I don't know, 15 of the 25 years we've been together that I had no emotions. Um, and that's just my upbringing, my parents, the neighborhood I lived in, like emotion, being high or low emotionally would, was not good for you. Uh, so I just kind of lived in the middle. And until I made a conscious effort to be more emotionally intelligent and more, and it, it was really because of my daughters, to be honest, I have them to thank for me being the man that I am today. Uh, my wife obviously helped. Uh, and I did a little bit of work. <laughs> I'll give myself a little bit of credit. Um, but but like as far as the emotional intelligence piece, like that wasn't something I was exploring. You know, it wasn't something I, I we we were living pretty good life. Like I, you were doing OK. So, you know, stop being sad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like whatever emotion you're feeling, you're 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 not that you're not feeling it. I, I guess I guess I might have gaslighted her a few times. But like just get over it and move on, right? Just get over it and move on. It, it, you, emotions are fleeting. You feel like that now, you won't feel like that later. Um, but that's not how you nurture a relationship, right? That's not how you build strong connection, uh, whether it be with your kids or your wife. And I would argue um, that relationship with your with your wife or the mother of your children is is equally important as the relationship you have with your children. Because they see that, right? They emulate that later on in their life. The way that you treat the woman that they love the most in the world shows them a lot about how you treat other people, right? Like they they, they have unconditional love for this person and they see you treat that person in a way that's not kind. Well, then it makes you look bad. It does, there's no like, you know, they don't understand the dynamic of that relationship. They don't understand that mom said or did something that dad didn't like. All they know is that dad is mad at the the woman I love the most in the world. Dad must be crazy, <laughs> you know. Um, and so having having the ability to, like you said, have that space between reaction or stimulus and response is huge. And I think that's a superpower that that we all could take advantage of. It's not like uh, you know, like superheroes where each one gets their own power. I think that's a power we all could grab uh, and have and use um, in our families and in the world in general. Right. Because that being reactive is what gets a lot of us in trouble. And I think a part of this emotional literacy and intelligence that we're talking about comes to, to understanding that we need a place as men to allow allow the emotions to flow. Right. Like I, I, there's a framework called the conscious leadership that I, I love their book. It's 15 commitments of conscious leadership. And. It talks about feel the feelings. I think it's chapter three to be specific. And that they believe that there's only five core feelings, right? And that's the building that emotional literacy and understanding that uh, there's five core feelings, that emotion is energy and motion, and that the sensations that we're feeling are the, are, are the feelings that are associated with that. And that when we're able to get specific and create a space for the emotions to flow, the feelings to flow, that feeling uh, that emotions only or excuse me, feelings only flow in 30 to 90 second waves. So if we allow them to, to, to come in and out of the body, then, we're, then we are able to have some emotional literacy and intelligence and, and really show up in the world the way we want to. But when we suppress just one, if it's anger, if it's sadness, we suppress them all. And, and we don't get to just pick and choose. And so like, that's the importance. Like when I, what I interpret from everything you're saying is like, the importance of understanding emotional literacy in total so we can be present and enjoy life to its fullest. So we can go one day and watch our children play sports. We can go on a date with our wife the next day 
or we can have a challenging conversation and still stay present, but also be grounded at all times. There's a, there's a therapist that I follow and I love dearly. His name's Dewey Freeman. And he talks about what the striving for as a man is to be congruent, being congruent in how you show up in all aspects of your life. And so like, that's, like you said, with emotional literacy, that's, that's the goal for me. It's not, it's not for me to dismiss any of my feelings. In fact, it's, I want to feel all my feelings, even if, if, if it's sadness. And then I want to be able to be congruent with how I show up. So when I'm, when I'm in my highest of highs and when I'm in my lowest of lows, that I still show up the same way. Because at the end of the day, if we can't even create that connection with ourselves or that space for ourselves, how can we teach our children that? And I know, and I'm not cutting us off by any means, but I know we're an hour in, but there's so much more that we could talk about with that, right? Like one reason why I chose to unschool or homeschool my kids was because I can't be angry or upset with what, how they're learning and how they're showing up in the world if I don't take responsibility, if I don't give them uh, skills and tools that they can use in life. And one of the things that I, I really work on with my oldest sons uh, my daughter, my five-year-old, once again, is special needs, so it's a little more challenging. But with my two oldest sons, I really work on emotional intelligence and feeling your feelings and talking about your feelings and giving them a space to be able to express what they're feeling to me and then repeat back if I interpret it right. And that whole cycle right there as fathers gives our kids an ability to be seen, be heard, and be felt. And then they, have some, they feel like they have ownership in their life. They feel like they have a purpose at a young age. There's some creativity. There's some connection. There's some um, there's some innovation that that comes within their life, and that's that's what I, as a father. And I know you haven't asked this question, but for, what for me fatherhood means is like being able to cultivate and be resourceful for your kids to be very to be able to be creative, to be um, innovative, to be connected to be able to show show up and live life fully. And that journey in itself all starts with you, right? Like that's how I see my fatherhood journey is if I can do all of this, then I can, then my kids have that ability. They have that space to do that as well. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I'm glad you answered it without me asking though that, that, but that I like that though, because, because a lot of, we talked about earlier, we emulated what our parents did, right? Or what our fathers did. And, and if we are able to do all the things that you just mentioned, then our kids at the very least are gonna emulate that, right? And so by us doing what we need to do to be a better man, better husband, better father, um, that allows them to then, you know, when it comes time for them as they grow and they get older, they're gonna take all of those same things that they got from us and now they're going to have that as a baseline or or as a as a blueprint and they can build on top of it they can add to it and they can do more with it yeah that's that's the thing is is um all right like it goes back to the thought i'm going back to a thought that i talked to earlier but like being able to transcend how your parents showed up for you and also giving your kids the space to transcend how you're showing up because you're, we're human. We're not always mm -hmm. going to show up perfect or we, we may miss the mark, but really being able to 
meet ourselves where we're at and, and have those positive conversations with self and then allow space for when our kids are upset with us to voice that, to be able to just be grounded and, and hear that. You know, it's right. challenging to hear my kids say, Dad, I'm, I'm unhappy with what you did, how you how you did this or how you did that. But then I also create an opportunity to say, well, how would you like to be? How, how would you like me to show up? And then also just say just understanding and, and not making excuses, but saying, hey, you know what? I, I made a mistake and I'm human, too. And I'm going to learn from that mistake. And I think that's important as fathers as well, is that we need to show our kids that it's OK to make mistakes. What's not OK is to constrict, to stay internal and not get better from the mistakes that we make. I agree. I couldn't agree more, man. I think it's a, an opportunity for both of us to learn, for us to learn as a parent what we can do better to be a better parent. Um, and then it's a teaching moment for us to teach our children, um, you know, this is how you handle criticism or this is how you handle uh, someone having some opposition to something you did and how you process it and, and how you move forward together in a, in a positive way, how you continue to trend up, right? How you have higher highs and higher lows where you're continuing to move in the right direction. Um, man, this has been really good, bro. Like, I, like, not that I had any doubt, right? Like, I didn't think it was not going to be good. Um, but like the, the conversation is really, really in the pocket that I thought it was going to be in. And, and I really think this is information that, that is, is important. You did mention, though, we are at the hour mark. And I know guys are, are you know, either finishing up at the gym or they're, they're finishing up their commute if they're listening to it on the way home. Um, so we got to we got to kind of get into wrapping up. And you know what? I, I would love to like hop on, hop on and, and, and do a part two or maybe we do a live together. Uh, or something like that, where we just continue to sh to share, because I do feel like there's a lot more here that we can get into. Um, I do think there's a, a lot of meat left on the bone here, um, and, and so many things we can talk to. And like, I could talk fatherhood all day, right? Like you can talk about these things all yeah. day, and it, and it sounds like you can too. Um, but again, being mindful of of everyone's time. So I do want to though, right? You answered the what does fatherhood mean to you question, which I think is very important. Um, but here's here's a second one. And this one may be easy for you, being as you have a coaching program. But if you had a message to give uh, to all fathers, like everybody that's listening and, and really every father in the world, like they're going to get this text message or they're going to get this email um, and it's an urgent one. They're going to see for sure. Uh, what do you want that message to be? Honestly, man. I think what's most important as, as men and as fathers that we're able to create a space to where we can fully express ourselves and understand who we are as a man. So when it comes time to being a father, when it comes time to being in a relationship that you can, you can stay in contact, right? Like you can stay in connection with whoever it may be. When you're un when you're going through someone emotionally challenging or mentally or physically a spiritually challenging time where you can stay in contact, where you can be present and be you. And so many times when we as men go through a challenging moment, we withdraw, we allow fear to consume. We go back to the old way of thinking of following the tradition or what's convenient for us. Being an elite father, being the best father, being the best husband, an elite husband, it, it's not convenient, right? It's, it, 
for those that are wanting to take the step, it may seem inconvenient because you're taking more responsibility. But once you get the hurdle, once you start to put practices in place, you surround yourself with men like Rod, like others that are doing this work, like myself, it becomes more convenient. It becomes the standard, right? And when we raise the standard, not just for ourselves, we raise the standard for our kids. And, and ultimately, the work that we're in, the work that I'm in, the message that needs to be here is what kind, how are you going to live? Do you want to live with a purpose and leave a legacy, a legacy that is built on connection, that's built on trust, that's built on, and, and what I mean by success, I'm going to define it for a second, is for me, success is about our ability to really unwind and understand ourselves as men. Because if we can understand ourselves and how we show up in the world financially, uh, within faith, our, our, fi our fitness and our families, then we, we are really changing the trajectory for the gener generations to come. And that is the type of legacy that I want to live. That's the success I'm looking for. Because once I'm in my purpose and what's coming from my purpose is the finances. What's coming from my purpose is a deeper sense of connection with my family. I'm raising the bar with my fitness and with my faith within myself, the spirituality aspect. It, it, it's all connected, like you said at the very beginning. And taking that step is the hardest part. That's it. Once you take the step, once you reach out to, to someone, or once you put, get into a community or want to make the choice, that's the hardest step. Right. And then it's all it comes down to is perseverance and consistency over time. And, and, and then it becomes convenient. Yep. 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 Yeah. It's, it's uncomfortable at first, but, but you get comfortable being uncomfortable, growing and changing. It's like growing pains, right? Uh, your knees hurt a little bit, but then you get taller and you're like, oh man, I'm enjoying this height. <laughs> Um, okay, second part to that question, and, and this is you know not a text message or email, maybe it's something you put up on the whiteboard in the house, but it's a message that you have for your children. What do you want them to see? It goes down to what I said, leave a live with a purpose, leave a legacy, right? And it comes down to, and I and I said I say this to my oldest sons is like what what is your purpose in life? Like how do you want to like what is your passion? And and that changes. Like, let me just understand. That it's, it's the answer is as simple as live with a purpose, leave a legacy, but understanding that your purpose from time to time may change. Like what my purpose was in my 20s is not what my purpose is in my 30s and what it probably may not be in my 40s. But understanding that I live with a purpose and that that purpose is going to create a legacy and and the legacy. How do you want to be remembered in this world? Because we all are going to leave this world at one point. Uh, and, and it's how we're remembered. It's how we impact those that are, that are following to carry the legacy. I love it, man. I love it. I love it. I love it. That, that, that is important. And I think too, that, that last piece about like, and I've, I've said this before that your purpose, your purpose has an expiration date. It's like, uh, like milk, right? Like milk, the milk is great, right? Right up until the last day. It's phenomenal. It's the best milk you ever had. But once you go past that expiration date, it starts to sour. It doesn't taste as good. And I found that in my youth. It was like I, what I thought was my purpose was like it was I was killing it. Everything was going great. I'm living in my purpose. And somewhere I hit an expiration point and I was like and then things just started to sour. 
Like I didn't really want to do that anymore. And things started kind of going the wrong way. But then I got another purpose, right? Another thing showed up and I it was back to delicious milk again, you know? Um, and I think understanding that purpose does have a little bit of a time frame on it and to just to get the most out of it, to pour yourself into it um, during that time frame and understand that it, it may be the same purpose, but just in a different vein. It may just be a little bit different, right? It may just, you may just serve a different group of people, or you may just do something just a little bit different. Um, but understand that that's coming and, and continue to be who you want to be, uh, you know, throughout, throughout that time. Frame. Yeah. I just want to say one last thing, Rob, because it, it just came to me is that this is for fathers specifically. Mm-hmm. Understanding that within your pain or the challenges that come in your life is your power. It's your gift. Could be your purpose in the world. And that when you express it, when you talk about it, when we're having conversations like this, we're giving men that are following and that are listening permission to be authentic, to be them, and to help other men talk about it. Because we, we've talked about how crazy the idea of the lone wolf is. But many men are stuck in that thought process because they're not seeing other men talk about it. And so when I look at it from a from a airplane level down, like it's about just sharing your stories and and communicating the painful times and how you've transformed that. And that's your gift. That's your power. But then on the grassroots level, surrounding yourself with men, actually intentionally looking for men in your community to raise your standard because you only get so much energetically from a, from a online uh, meeting, right? Like a a men's group. But when you're able to get in in person and you're working out or you're meditating or that whatever it may be that you all do, you raise your vibration, you raise your energy. And is, and the only people that benefits from that or all people benefit from that, but you benefit the most from it. Yeah. Yeah, you do. You definitely do. Um, you know, I, that made me think about like the, the four minute mile, right? It was completely impossible to, to run a mile in the four minutes. And then once it was done, like everybody's just like, OK, and then everybody starts breaking that that, that barrier. Um, and it's not because it was impossible. It was because no one had shown anyone that it could be done before. And then once it was done, now everybody can look and not just say he did it, but shoot. I got two legs like that guy. He's got two legs, right? I I run like he runs. I'm just going to do, I'm going to go do it too. And you're right. Us sharing stories and having these conversations show other men. And this is the whole purpose for what we do is to show other men that there is another way. Maybe not, I won't say better or worse, but there's another way to, to do these things where maybe we don't have to struggle as much or we don't have to bump our heads as hard. Um, if we can learn from other guys, right, we can figure out how to go about uh, our lives and our day to day in maybe a better way, right? Absolutely. All right, man. Look, I, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day, taking the time out of your busy schedule. I know I've, I've, I've adjusted some stuff and messed things up, but uh, <laughs> uh, time wise, but I appreciate you being so accommodating and still being able to hop on. Um, if guys are wanting to connect with you, if guys are wanting to, you know, follow you or, or email you or whatever they want to do, I know we'll have it listed in the guest profile, but for guys that are that are not on the computer and able to pull that up right now, how would they uh how would be the best way to get in touch with you? 
Yeah, I try to make it as simple as possible uh, along most of the platforms. Alex Lang Coaching is my Instagram handle, at Alex Lang Coaching. And then my website is uh, www.alexlangcoaching.com. Uh, I have a community that uh, I co-host with Jack, uh, who is a previous guest. It's called The Frequency of Fatherhood, and that's a free community for men to just come in, talk about whatever they need to. And then lastly, which I I'm hoping that you jump on with me in the future here soon, I have a podcast called A Man's Journey. And I and the podcast is really about men that don't live with purpose. And then they then some challenge comes in their life and they transform that pain into their power. So if if you resonate with anything that I'm saying, take a listen to that podcast and hopefully I can get Rod on. We we can talk about his fatherhood journey because this season specifically is focused on fatherhood that's upcoming. 100%. Yeah, I'm definitely more than willing. I, uh, I just let me know when, you know, I'll, I'll schedule it up and, and hop on there and talk about my pain and power situation. Absolutely, man. Once again, thank you for your time today. And I, and I can't, uh, I look forward to uh, talking to you for part two or IG and then also talking on the side. I'm a big sports fan and I love the analogies you're throwing in here. Yeah, man, I try to I like when I'm talking to guys, it's always easy to make those connections, right? We we start comparing things to sports and it's like, oh, OK, I got it. Right. Because if I talk, if I talk anything else, right, we talk psychology or we talk anything like sciency. It's like, yeah, what are you saying right now? But if I can if I can connect it to a, a fastball, like, oh, OK, I got it. I got it. Right. I think I think you just made all the NFL running backs happy because you were talking about running backs throwing passes and the, the market's down. So now you're going to increase it for them. Yeah, 100 percent, man. They, look, they touch the ball the third most of any player on the field. Right. Like, how is it possible that they don't get a, a, at least at least third most money? Right. Receivers might get the ball five or six times. They make twice as much money. Like your elite receiver might catch the ball five times in a game. Like, running back. We we got the best running back in the league, in my opinion. That's Derrick Henry. I'm a Tennessee Titans fan, man. Okay. And he's shouldered a lot. He's probably carried the ball more than than uh, Ryan Tannehill. So I'm with you. Right. Like running backs need to be paid. Yeah, yeah, and it's a brutal it's a brutal position too, right? Like quarterbacks yeah. are protected to no end. Receivers are protected to no end. Running backs get pounded every single play. But yeah. it is what it is. Absolutely, man. I uh, once again enjoy it and, and look forward to the next time. All right, brother. Talk to you soon. All right, likewise. You just tuned into another episode of the Forfeit Fatherhood podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you once again for listening. If you haven't already, go ahead and follow me at You Can Call Me Coach on Instagram. Also follow the podcast at Forfeit Fatherhood, the number four and the letter U on You Can Call Me Coach. Uh, go ahead and flip over to the next episode, man. I know you love this one, so you'll probably love the next one. Excited for you guys to hear it.